Hello, it's Josephine Langcuber here, your performing arts business strategist, speaker, and coach. Today, I have the amazing Deborah Laws, a multi-passionate dancepreneur, dance business expert, and number one best-selling author of the Ultimate Dance Business Planner. Today, we talk all things studio owner, all things dance, and it's so much fun as she really shares her insights on how to help you create a thriving, successful studio business and really, you know, dive into your passion and turn your passion into profit. You know, we cover all sorts of areas uh, industry related and it's a really lovely chat. Her purpose is to help facilitate the personal journey and growth of dance business owners. And she does that through her coaching service and business, Dance Business Lab, which we also cover as well. So there's lots of goodies in here. There's lots of beautiful takeaways. And I think you're going to really enjoy this. She's all the way from the UK <laughs> coming in. Um, I'm here in the evening. She's in the morning and, and she's come and done this with me, which is just absolutely beautiful. So let's uh, let's leap into this show with Deborah Laws. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lancuba and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line to then living paycheck to paycheck to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts, and all that jazz. Hello, Deborah, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here with us today. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Now, I came to know you through your amazing podcast, Ultimate Dance Business Podcast, and I am a big fan. I listen to lots of different podcasts um, each week that are industry-based, but I definitely am very much drawn to yours. And then we connected through social media, which was really, really um, cool. So, you know, I'm I'm loving that that's happened. I do find that social media is a bit of a love-hate relationship, but for these reasons, I think it's a, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many connections that we wouldn't normally make otherwise. So, and of course, we're on completely opposite sides of the world. So we probably wouldn't have crossed paths otherwise. Yeah, and just for everyone listening, you know I'm in Sydney, Australia, but tell everyone at home, where are you calling in from today? So I'm from a little area in the UK called Devon, and I'm just outside of a city called Plymouth. Yeah, nice. Now, I wanted to really dive into chatting to you today because I find you absolutely fascinating, and actually because I am on a similar path, I suppose, you've you've run a studio for gosh, over 27 years. And yeah. that was before becoming a mentor and, and running your own online coaching business. You went on to franchise your theatre school 
and you were servicing 800 plus students at any one time. So before we jump into all of that amazing juicy stuff, let's go back to the beginning. And, you know, I would love to know, how did your dance journey start? Oh, right back to the very, very beginning. <laughs> Maybe skip the toddler years, but, you know, just okay, that, okay. that passion, the, the dance and how that translated then into business. Sure. So, um, I mean, I danced all my life as a child, went off to probably one of the UK's top three UK performing arts colleges, danced a little bit, but I was one of those children that used to get such horrendous nerves Um stage fright that it just took the joy out of dance for me so I always wanted to be a teacher so when I finished college I danced professionally for a really short time went straight into teaching loved teaching had a fabulous mentor in my dance teacher who I worked for um, and you know just found myself suddenly in my 20s and 30s creating multiple schools I had um, five schools spread across three different counties in the UK. Um, and then I did actually franchise my theatre school. I was a franchisee with a theatre school, um, oh, which I also loved. Yeah. And um, had my own premises, had a team of about 25 teachers, full-time administrators. Like it, it was quite, people used to talk about my empire, <laughs> which in the UK, you know, that that's quite big. Most schools don't grow to that kind of size in the UK. Yeah, I love that. And that's really interesting that you chose to be a franchisee in in that theatre school. Was that was that different to the other sites that you have? You mentioned you had multiple sites, so they were multiple dance studios, I'm assuming. And then you had a separate franchisee um, portion of the portion of yeah. The, is that how that worked? Yeah, absolutely. What I realized was that there's quite a lot of value in a national brand. Mm. So I had tried, I was very well known for um, being excellent with things like our modern tap, ballet, jazz, the kind of the theater arts. Um, and I tried to start musical theater classes like the drama, the singing, um, you know, dance, theater dance. And just found it a real struggle. Like I just found it really difficult to get off the ground. People came to me for the exam-based classes, the syllabus, um, the, and I found it difficult to, to get the musical theatre classes to work. So that's why I bought a franchise in a theatre school because um, the brand is quite um, is quite big in terms of recognition. And so, yeah, I went down the well, let's let's go with somebody else's brand and. Um, the network, the support from the franchisor was excellent. So I learned a lot about business by having a franchise. Um, there was a lovely community where we could bounce ideas from each other, attend conferences, all the things that you didn't get to do as a solo, um, you know, dance school principal. Um, so I actually really liked that side of the business. I found it challenging sometimes because you can't just do what you want to do. There are rules and there are guidelines and, you know, consequences if you break them and you've signed a contract to say you will do this and you won't. Do it. So I find it very difficult after, you know, nearly 20 years, suddenly having to follow somebody else's kind of rules and guidelines but um on the whole you know I really loved you know the the other side of having um a franchise business yeah and what would you what would you say 
to people then with that sort of experience, having both sides of it, um, that are looking into licensed programs and things like that. We see a lot of licensed programs in the preschool, especially in that preschool age. Is that yeah. something that you would ever recommend to people or or you think that there's value in that sort of programming? Yeah, absolutely. I, I 100%. I mean, I think a lot of the licensed programs or the franchises are fabulous. And I tell you why, you know, to be really, truly excellent when you're delivering a service to kids, there's a lot of time and creativity and effort that has gone into um it goes into creating a really excellent service and just turning up to a studio with your playlist and your skill set is fine especially if you're a wonderful teacher but actually someone that has poured their heart and soul and several years into creating a syllabus and they've got a really strong brand and they've got purposely um created music you know all of these things basically i'm a bit of a lazy person and basically you're getting somebody else to spend the time and effort doing it for you and then you get to benefit by just turning up and delivering the classes so if you find something that you really resonate with like if you really love a brand if you really love what somebody stands for and what they've created then i think it's worth every penny buying into that person's artistry and vision and and having an opportunity to run with it yeah absolutely i love that and yeah i mean there's been so many studios that that come and go but i do think that when you purchase into some of these licensed brands that they may have a little bit more longevity when they've got that support and that ongoing network, like you mentioned. Speaking of which, I mean, what was it like running a studio for 27 years? And like I said, studios coming and going these days, there's a studio in every corner, right? Let's, I mean, there is an Australia anyway. I don't know what it's like in the UK, but it certainly is highly competitive, um, very different to what, what I thought it would be like many years ago. So I would love to hear that. Do you think the industry has changed since you first started? Mm, um, I think, yeah, it's, it is the same here. We do have an awful lot of dance schools and, you know, some people have multiple schools right on their doorstep. Um, so I'm sure this is probably the same for us as it is for you guys. Um, and do I think it's changed? I think um, I think there are a lot more entrepreneurs out there nowadays and i think that is the same across the whole of whole of the business sector i think there's a lot more people nowadays that feel like actually i want to be in charge of my own destiny i want to create my own life my own lifestyle and my own business um i think people are a little bit braver at feeling like particularly women nowadays that feel like they can stand on their own two feet and create their own business. Um, so I think things have changed in that respect. Um, and so I think youngsters coming up into through the dance industry that are now um, making choices about what they're going to do with their careers, I think it's far more normal and acceptable for um youngsters to think right you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on my own like I'm not gonna go and get a job I'm not gonna go through university and get a degree and settle into a normal job I'm gonna follow my passion and do my things so I think it's changed in that respect for sure yes why do you think that's the case like why do you think people are seeking that now I think in terms of you know more 
certainly for women, more women feeling they can do this. I think this is just to do with the change in equality. I think, you know, very slowly we are moving away from, you know, men are the bread earners and, you know, women stay at home and cook and clean and have the kids. Like that's just changed dramatically in the last 30 or 40 years, like beyond recognition. So I think that, you know, nowadays it's quite acceptable for anybody. I'm not saying it's necessarily equal yet, but I think that has certainly led in our industry because it is predominantly female. I know there's lots and lots of guys out there <laughs> that have their own dance studios. But, you know, all my stats still say to me that, you know, 90% of my audience are still female. Um, so I think, you know, one of the reasons it's changed is because there it's more acceptable now for women to run their own businesses. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as a mum of two, I I am definitely empowered in in that that I feel you know that I'm contributing to my home that I'm the ruler of my own destiny you know it's all of that and we get a lot of that messaging through social media the internet all of that now so it just makes it so much more accessible to have that knowledge that it is possible and seeing those examples online um, definitely would be an influence today so. And, and I suppose you would be coaching a lot of women um, <laughs> that are in the industry. So you would see a, a lot of that. I mean, we're both industry coaches and there are such a variety of reasons why people seek mentorship and studio owners or performing artists and dancers. What is a common challenge that you're seeing at the moment through your clients? Like what, what are you seeing happening right now in this climate? Yeah, so I think it, the number one biggest thing that people struggle with is time management. You know, so what happens generally is somebody decides that they're going to start a few classes because they're passionate and they want to, to run the classes the way they want to run them. And so they start off in their little hired premises. They put some adverts out there. They have some kids come along. They're fantastic at what they're doing. The classes grow before they know it, they have a school. They're now a business owner. They didn't set out to be a business owner. They just set out to teach a few classes. This is generally how it goes. <laughs> um, and, you know, what happens is things just get busier and busier and busier. You know, two or three classes turns into 20 or 30 classes. And then eventually they get to the stage that they realize that they've, they've built this beautiful, passionate you know, business that they're highly passionate about that's their baby and they can't grow any further unless they start to bring on other teachers. But very often people will get to the stage that they have squeezed every last minute of their day, <laughs> seven days a week out of what they are physically capable of doing before they then go, hey, I can't do this anymore. I need some help with my administration or I need more teachers to come on board. Like there's still a demand. I've got kids moving up that we now need even more classes for. Um, and at that point, people either decide to stick or, or move on. Like they either say, right, this is as big as we're going to get because I don't want any teachers. I want to do it all myself. There is this part, sometimes I find this mindset with certain principals and studio owners of, I can't trust anybody else. No one's going to do it like me. No one's going to do it as well as me. And therefore, that's it. I can't really grow. I don't want to grow. I always want my business to stay personal. And they're convinced that if they bring anybody else into 
the fold, that it's going to stop being that wonderful personal experience. And of course, you and I know that that's not the case. That's just where you have to learn to be a great leader. You know, that's just down to you and your involvement and how you now manage those people that want to come in and work with you. So um, I think we have a whole group of people that are love what they do, but they're really stretched. You know, their time is completely exhausted because they refuse to bring in anybody else. Um, And then the opposite side of that is when people do have a team and they do have teachers and they do have administrators, and maybe they've got to the stage where they now own their own building, things are expanding, things are going great. But there's always the, I'm not earning enough money, to bring in lots of help and therefore I need to do it all myself or I need to do 80% of it myself or 90% of it myself. And so um, it's this horrible kind of vicious circle. And I think until people become a little bit better at learning how to build the business financially so that it's bringing in a, a, a good income, it's very difficult for them to then manage their time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started very similar many years ago now, but you know, I started doing all the teaching and then, you know, you bring in a a teacher to support you (laughs) and that grows and grows over time. And now I've got, you know, 10 teachers, administration, staff, customer experience manager, all that jazz, but it certainly didn't start that way. And, And sometimes, sometimes even still that little nudge, you know, comes where I think, do I need that person? I could do what they're doing. I can do it. I can do what they do. And then I go, no, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Remember what it felt like, Joe, to do all the things. And yeah. like you said, you know, um, people are concerned about it not being done exactly the way they do it. But I think maybe we need to let go of that, let go of the perfection. And of course, our team is never going to be as invested as us. They might be close if we're lucky, but I just don't think it'll ever be exactly the same as our input or our energy or our passion. So it's natural that, um, you know, that we need to to look outward and just go, hey, let it go. Even if it's at 80%, it's better than me doing all the things. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I always say to my my ladies and gents that, you know, you may work on a nine out of 10 in your dance studio. Um, Your team are only going to ever work at an eight or a nine. Like They're always going to be one step behind you. And so they should. You know, this is your passion. You're the one that has the vision and the heart in the business. Nobody can match that. But you know what? Having somebody working for you at an eight or a nine or even a seven or an eight is better than having nobody work for you, and then you're working actually in burnout. You're not working at a nine or a 10. You're probably working in a five or six, you know, in terms of your emotional and mental state because you're so exhausted and burnt out, you know. So, you know, we think, I can't trust anybody. They won't do things as well as me. But actually, they they probably will because if you're a completely exhausted <laughs> dance studio owner that's falling, you know, drastically out of love with your business because you're working 60, 70 hours a week and you're up all night and you're not getting financially rewarded for it and all the things we know, um, then your, your teacher's working at an eight or a nine probably are going to be doing a great job for you you know so I think it's a bit of a misconception that we feel like somebody else can't do it as well as us Mm. because I'd be really happy if I had team members working at an eight or a nine like one little notch below me I'd be over the moon (laughs) 
And you hit the nail on the head there about having it being financially rewarding. I think you can live off passion and the buzz for a little while and then it gets really tiresome and then it becomes a chore and then you're resentful if you're not if you're not receiving you know anything back financially from your business so that's a really important point you know yeah and I just came off a call um yesterday with one of my um clients and she you know, we we did a team session for her team as her business coach with part of her package. I do a couple of sessions with her team and we were talking, um, we did a session on onboarding and how to, mm-hmm. how they could be better at teachers to convert these trial students when they first come into the studio and they, they step into their studio and it's their first experience. And I did a little training around that with her teachers and, you know, she shared at the end some goals and how many students she'd love to grow by. And she said, and if we can get to this number and this is like her stretch goal then I can pay myself a wage and you could see all the teachers just kind of what do you mean you can pay yourself a wage you know and I kind of stepped in and and sort of said yeah like basically you guys are earning a wage for turning up and teaching but at the moment your studio owner isn't like her overheads are so high. She's still building her business that she's, she's covering her costs, but she's not earning anything. And they couldn't quite get their head around the fact that their boss, <laughs> who yeah. they thought was yeah. on a, a pretty, pretty little amount of money, um, wasn't earning anything. Like you could see all these like light bulbs go off, like their faces were really confused. <laughs> and so it's not always, it's not always a bed of roses, is it? Especially when we're um either building, when we're first building the business, yeah. or dare, dare I say, even sometimes sadly. 10, 20 years in, we can still be in that situation, which is where I feel, um, you know, it's so sad that our passion doesn't result in a profit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you've been known to say that your studio became an uncontrollable monster. So tell me about that and and what that felt like, I suppose, and what, what made it the monster that you describe? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I grew my studio's from sheer ambition, dedication, hard work, determination, tenacity, all these things. I think I always had quite an entrepreneurial spirit. I grew my first school. It got to the stage that it was um, so big, so successful after two or three years that I couldn't, like I said just now, couldn't continue on my own. So I started to build a team. And then I realized, actually, when you bring a team in, your profit goes down. So now my profit margin was much lower, even though my school was getting bigger and I had a lovely team. So then I was like, okay, so we kind of what I need to do to get more income here is to do this multiple times because then I can be earning some profit here and some profit here and some profit here. And that all together cumulatively will be a nice big amount of profit. So I kind of set up my second school and then my third and then my fourth. And then I ended up with these five schools. And then, as I said, through sheer passion and determination, I grew those schools um, to the extent that with the theatre school as well, I had between eight and 900 students across the board. Um, Which is a lot to manage. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to manage. And especially as, you know, those branches, if you kind of went from one to the other, the furthest apart, they were kind of two hours apart. So there was a lot of team to manage living in different locations. Um, But what happened was the sheer passion and determination and hard work, you know, had got me that far. 
But what I didn't realize was that actually being a really beautiful teacher and knowing how to teach at a really high standard didn't mean I knew how to run a business to a really high standard. And because I'd never had any mentoring, any business um, training, I got to the stage that it really needed managing at quite a high level. Like most people that are company directors and CEOs with, with you know, 900 customers and a team of over 20, you know, they've got some kind of experience in business. Yeah, <laughs> they're not yeah, getting yeah. up and they're not winging it every day, you know? Um, and that's what I was doing. I just grew this business that I was still winging. I call it being a professional winger. Um, I got really, really good <laughs> at just making it up as I went along. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and sadly, you know, sadly, we had a few things happen. And here's the really interesting thing, Joe. For for many, many, many years, I kind of led the blame culture thing. Oh, we had a recession. Oh, I had not two, but three teachers over the course of 10 years that left and set up on my doorstep, you know, and oh, I went through a divorce. Oh, it was this reason it happened, you know. But what happened was the numbers started to go down and down and down and down. And gradually over the course of about 10 years, I almost lost everything. And it was when I was at the point where I literally was down to about 150 kids. I'd closed two or three branches. I had about 150 kids. There were about two teachers. I'm still sat there twiddling my thumbs saying, what on earth is going on? Why have I lost all these students? Why can't I stop this downward spiral? Why can't I build it back up again? Like I'm doing all the things I've always done and nothing is working. Um, at that point, I was like, I, right, what else can I do at 45? Like, can I go and retrain? Could I be a midwife? Like, what can I do? Because this is no longer bringing me in an income. Um, and so I decided kind of one last ditched attempt because I was still very passionate about the dance industry. I went and got myself a business coach that um, specialized in the performing arts industry. And that's where I realized and I learned over the course of a year, a very expensive program. It was kind of all my savings that went into this last <laughs> this last um, rescue opportunity. I realized it was down to poor team management. I didn't know how to lead the people that were running my business. And so it was a really hard lesson to learn, actually. You know, I got to the stage where I had such a big school and so many teachers that I just kind of left them all to it. And I didn't know at that stage, even after 20 years of running a studio, how on earth to run a studio. And I, it was just a massive moment for me. And I just thought, wow, like, actually, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I never have known what I'm doing. I've just done it on hard work and being brave. Um, so I started learning about business, you know, and I did it for myself, for my own school. And I invested a lot of money in coaches and mentors, had so many light bulb moments over the course of a couple of years. It wasn't true. Literally like, ah, that's why my retention is not as good as it should be. Or these are the things I should have been doing all these years that would have, you know, meant more income or, you know, masses of learning, masses and masses of learning. And um, it was actually in amongst all that that I realized this isn't just for me to, to improve my studio, to pick my studio back up again. I need to be sharing this. Like I can't bear to see other dance school owners particularly here in the UK, because there weren't really any business coaches in our industry, uh, uh, even just three years ago. Um, 
I can't bear to see other people potentially go through what I went through. So that's where the coaching started. I started helping some friends, um, some one-to-one friends. And from there, it's just, just grown. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, that was a really long-winded I reply no, to your I answer. <laughs> you've actually answered my next question. It all just happened. <laughs> but I love that really? because, you know, um, it is true. It, it can be so so important to get that mentorship and to get that guidance and and just to to get unstuck you know we all get stuck I don't think it matters where you are in your business how far you've come whether you you know five figure six figure seven figure eight figure I think there's always a moment where you get stuck and just to be able to lean on someone or or a program or whatever and and help you through I think that's really important for sure Now we're going to take a very short break where I'm going to introduce you to a studio owner named Anne Coates. She's from Maitland, New South Wales, Australia, and was a participant in Talent Manager Bootcamp, my course that I created to take the studio owner to talent manager in eight weeks so that you can represent them in film, television, theatre, commercial work, and more. So this is a course designed specifically to help your students get to that next level and really to facilitate their dreams in creating a professional performance career and also just to have magical experiences, you know. So, look, the wait list is open now for Talent Manager Bootcamp. Head to josephinelancuba.com forward slash TMB, link in the show notes. Here's Anne. I really enjoyed the course. I thought um, you were just full of lots of gems and... um, very warm you know I I was a little bit concerned that it might be a little bit intimidating but um no not at all I think and it's lovely to be part of a collective you know people who want to share so I think the fact that you've even called it that I think says a lot I feel like we need to create a buzz in the studio um we've sort of stayed a little bit stagnant for a while um I feel that the energy that you inject into the course um, has transferred to me as well. I feel excited by the prospect of, of creating opportunities for the students. And when I started teaching here, I just could not believe, and it's still the case, I wonder if there's something in the water because the kids, they're hungry for opportunities. They want it and they're so... Um, inspired by any tiny little crumb you can give them and I guess this is just a natural progression you know I wish that I'd met you 10 years ago and this had happened 10 years ago to be honest because I think of all the students who've come through who are extremely talented and you know what what might have happened with them. Talent Manager Bootcamp Waitlist doors are open now. To jump on that waitlist, head to josephinelancuba.com forward slash TMB. The link is in the show notes. So if you're ready to level up your studio and increase your student retention, industry credibility, and increase your revenue, then Talent Manager Bootcamp is the way. Make sure you get the update when those doors are open because they're going to be open in January, but only for a very short window. So don't miss out. Jump on the waitlist. All right, let's head back to the show with Deborah Laws. And I love yeah, that. I after 27 years, you moved on from being a studio owner 
and then you went into that coaching space. I mean, is that been an how has that transition been? I think before we started uh, hitting record, we were having a little quick chat and you mentioned that you only just sold your last studio only a few months ago. Is that is that right? Yes, yeah. So um, I, I did sell most of the, the dance schools um, either before COVID or during COVID. Um, but then I still had one school that's just gone quite recently. I had somebody that went in and was a principal for me. Um, and yeah, that school has now gone because um, I think I just realized that, you know, we all have different eras in our life like I'm in my 50s and you know I have like I I I look back over my life in decades like when I was in my 20s I was building my empire and when I was in my 30s this was happening and this happened in my 40s and now in my 50s it's just like there's a new energy a new love a new passion that's obviously still in the dance industry but now it's just changed you know what what it is that lights me up when i get up every day is just slightly different to what it used to be and so you know i realized that where the joy was for me you know the things that i used to get up in the morning and think oh yes i get to do this today you know was the mentoring and the coaching because i love to see the results that my clients are getting i love to seeing them moving away from the pain or the the unhappiness or the feeling of stuck like you said joe you know i love to see them transitioning and the progress that they make um and i just realized that actually life is a little bit short let's not spend our life doing things that we don't love anymore or that doesn't light us up let's try and work more towards the things that do and having discovered a new kind of zone of genius <laughs> i <laughs> pledged to myself that i wanted to just work in that zone and so yeah i moved away from being a studio owner and uh and now help others instead i'm still an examiner as well i examined for the istd which is a a big examination board here in the uk um and i still do that so i still have my hand in you know watching children and I love examining. It's just adorable, you know, seeing children running in and working the best, you know, the hardest to, to impress you and all their hard work. I still love that. I still love that. That's a zone of genius as well. But yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's just dipping your toe in and, and keeping relevant and, and still being a part of the action. Um, out of curiosity, once you did go and see a mentor, you mentioned that the business did, did dip and you were trying to find, you know, your way out of of this hole that you you dug yourself essentially yeah, yeah were you able to build it back up like did you did you strength did you strengthen it again like how did that happen yeah so basically i just went absolutely all in for uh two years so for two years i implemented every single thing that i was learning and for me you know i was in a program with obviously some other great female dance studio owners um i think there were a couple of guys um mostly actually australians or americans like because we don't have anything in the uk there mm. was there's this there just wasn't anything available over here um and uh so i implemented everything but i was doing everything twice because i was doing it all for my dance studio and then again for the theater uh, the theatre school so every time somebody was you know um scheduling their social media for the next three months I was doing 
two businesses. <laughs> like I literally did everything twice. And I did that for two years um, because I really, you know, that was still the whole purpose at that point. I wasn't even thinking about becoming a coach or a mentor. Um, and yeah, so the theatre school doubled within a year. So I managed to um, turn that from kind of breaking even and earning me like a tiny amount to that earning me a nice amount. The dance school, I think, grew by 40% in 18 months. Um, so that went from kind of breaking even to being in profit. Um, so yeah, it was really lovely to see. Well, it was it was incredibly important for me to see that if you do these things, it works. Yeah. You know, and I wouldn't be if I wouldn't be coaching now if I didn't see the the fact that these things worked. Absolutely. And also it's really important to mention because you know we do have different seasons of our lives and we, you know, I don't think we're all going to be 99 and still with a studio, right? So even if you do get into that lull, it's still important to continue and build it up so that when you go to sell it, that there's still value there and that you don't let it dip so far down and just lose all hope that when you go to sell, it's like it's not worth what it what it could have been worth if you just maybe pushed through to that sale period or had a strategy around that that process, you know? Yeah. And some people, you know, some people come to me because they're right at the start of their journey and they want that guidance and support to get it right from the beginning. Um, so I have studio owners that joined me, bef joined me before they've even opened their doors. And then I have people that are with me that have had their school 50 years that want uh, are wanting to learn how to create an exit strategy you know and it might be that they're going to retire and sell their school and they want their school to be healthy and something that's worth selling or it may be that they just want to step right back and still be the owner and earn a, a, a monthly amount from it but actually not have anything to do with the day-to-day -day running and so you know I always think sometimes people think that the only option is to eventually one day sell their school but actually I equally think believe that there are ways that you can um, create a strategy where you are no longer hugely involved. You know, we're maybe talking an hour's meeting once a month um, and somebody else runs it and, and and keeps the school ticking over for you. So, um, but yes, definitely I have people from all different stages, all wanting to create different things. Um, and uh, it's exciting, exciting to see everybody doing doing different things with their schools. So what advice would you give to someone, if you could give any key advice, what would you give to someone who's who's starting out? They're in the dance industry, they're starting out, they want to open up a studio. What would you say to them? Get yourself a business mentor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because I, <laughs> because I am one. And here's my number. No, I'm saying it because I, what I said earlier, like you will just become a professional winger. You're like you will be making it up on the spot as you go. And the and the problem is most people that actually start a dance studio, they can only run it from their own previous experiences. So they tend to run and start their schools along the similar way to how their student, their principal ran it. So their teacher, oh, I'm going to do it this way. That's all I've known. I've only ever known it to be this way. You know, the tiniest thing, you know, we used to start Modern and Tap at five. And one day I sat down after five years of having my own studio and thought, why do I start them at five? And I just thought, because that's what my teacher did. And I just assumed that's what you should do. But actually, there's no reason we couldn't do this younger. And it, it was just a kind of like 
it's almost like the way we were taught, the, the school that we grew up in feels like that's God. Like, oh, totally. <laughs> like that's yeah. how... I, I totally understand that because when I first started my studio, I was running it like, you know, typical dance studio. I had ballet, tap, jazz. I had, you know, all the things. Um, but I actually realized over time that my passion and my niche was in musical theater. So I went from having a dance studio to actually, you know, creating Musical Makers Club, which I now have, well, I had seven branches. I now have four. Um, that's why I'm quite interested in your story, actually, when you talked about the theatre school. I, I find that really in intriguing. But, yeah, I I actually found that once I niched into musical theatre, that that's when the traction began because I was into it. I always thought, yeah. no, you have to offer ballet. You must offer tap. You must offer these things because that's what you do. That's what I, that's the school I went to. And then I realised, well, I don't <laughs> if they want those things oh. they can go elsewhere I don't have to be all things to all people and as soon as I realized that I I fell in love with my business and people could feel that I think and then the traction oh. began a hundred percent Joe I just think so often we create the school that we think we should have mm. we do we we create it in a way that we think parents expect. You know, if you don't want to be in exam school, don't do exams. You just simply don't attract the parents that are looking for exams. You attract the parents that aren't looking for exams on the same wavelength as you. And that's where your values and your 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 mission and your vision statements all come in. You know, create the school that you want to have, not the school that everybody else thinks you should have. Yeah. And um, I think that's just it's so important because. You're going to be, I talked about getting up in the morning and feeling passionate and working in my zone of genius. If if I have to get up and do and run a business that is not fully aligned with me because I'm having to do these things that I don't want to do, then you are not going to put the same energy into that, that side of things as the things that you love. And even if you try your hardest, I guarantee it is not going to be as successful. So just make life easy for yourself, folks. Like go for what you love. And you don't have to. You're absolutely right. You don't have to do all the things that everybody else wants you to do. You can create your business however you want. It's your yeah. business. Yeah, it's and you'll yours. enjoy it so much more, right? On the flip side of that, we talked about what your advice would be to someone who's new to, you know, wanting to open up a studio. What about someone who, like yourself, was in, you know, has been in the dance studio game for decades, right? And maybe they're feeling like it's flailing or maybe they're just feeling there's no energy or passion left. Like how can, how can you reignite the flame or should you reignite the flame? Yeah, that's a really lovely question. And, you know, I was saying earlier that I have people that are right at the beginning of their journey and people that have had their studio for a long time. Um, and what I love to see in particular is those people who are running schools, they can do it standing on their head. They've been doing it for 30 years, but it's just become, you know, a job. It's just become a little bit mundane. And to see people that come into, so I have a membership-based models, um, people come into my membership, within two or three weeks, they are on fire. Like they are literally, they have got their mojo back, they're loving their school. And I think what happens for them is they have their eyes opened to a whole bunch of stuff that, like myself, that I should have been doing all the years, 
that I wasn't doing. And, you know, I'm not Albert Einstein, Joe. I'm not teaching someone brand new, brand new theories that have never been out there. Sometimes people say to me, Deborah, I know all this, but why haven't I been doing it? Like, you're not teaching me anything. Sometimes things are brand new that people don't know, but sometimes it's stuff that they kind of know. But it's that obvious that they weren't doing it. And so when it's packaged together in a beautiful training and I say, right, this is why we need to do this. And this is how you could go about it. And here's some ideas. And and also in my membership, there are we have Q&A sessions where we share. There's a lot of sharing that goes on within my members. And people come up with some such great ideas because we're all creatives. And to have somebody that's feeling a bit stale, that's not so in love with their studio anymore, and they suddenly go, oh, I could do this. I could do this. That person's doing so-and-so. That's working really well for them. Maybe I should have a team mentoring program within my business i've never thought to do that and all of a sudden they they're inspired again they fall mm-hmm. back in love with their school and it could be something as simple as i teach them about some systems that will save a whole bunch of time and they say deborah we implemented these systems why haven't i been doing this all these years now i have an extra 5 hours a week on my on my you know of time now i get to have coffee with my best friend and i go to a yoga class and life just feels more balanced you know there's there's so many different ways in which somebody can fall back in love with their business but it's so beautiful when that happens and speaking of systems you created the ultimate dance business planner and was that to support your clients specifically when you first created it or was it always your intention to sort of share that to a wider audience I think I had a planner. Um, I followed somebody, an online coach who created a beautiful planner and um, it made me much more, it created a lot more structure in my day. I would sit down each day and I would create three goals. Like if I don't get anything else done, these three things are a must. And then there was space down the side where I could break down into smaller steps how I was going to go about those goals. So these are the strategies of what I need to create today. And these are the action steps I need to take. Bit like when we teach dance, you know, we, I've got to teach half a dance to my kids today. Um, I've got to finish off their recital dance, the show dance. So this is what I've got to do: finish the dance, and these. This is the choreography that I'm going to do. And I started planning my day, like properly planning and structuring the processes and the 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 what what was going to happen that day and that week, and it really changed everything. The focus it made me so much more focused, and I was getting so much more done. And I thought, wow, if I could create this, but on top of that, create it so that there are um, there's a page to set out your goal for the the future month. Then at the end, we have a, what I call the director's review where they can put down, we now have, we had this many trial students. This is how many we converted. This is how many we've got now. This is how many Facebook followers we've got. This is how much we've increased our website traffic. Like this are the things that I got done and I achieved. These are the things I didn't achieve. Why didn't I achieve those? Um, and here's a treat for myself. This is how I'm going to treat myself for having such a great month. And I just created it so that it spoke to the dance studio owners. Um, There's a little bit of training in there as well. So it helps people to learn how to work equally across the board. Um, And yeah, I just wanted everybody to to have a bit more structure because let's face it, we all have running a dance studio, a pretty chaotic, (laughs) chaotic life. Mine's so chaotic too. It's really interesting. Um, I mean, I love a plan. 
I love a plant. I mean, if you could see the wall behind this screen, <laughs> you've got your, my big whiteboard. I've got my 90 day planner. I've got it all happening, right? I love a good plan. And actually I put down, I love that you mentioned the three key points. You do that daily. I actually, I do that by the week. I put my three key points for the week and then I break it down. But I mean, same, same, but I love, I love the concept of that. And I love that you've also got the goals and you're putting down, um, you know, those, the, the stats, the metrics as well. So they've got that little bit of a dashboard happening in their, in their diary. I think that's a, in their planner rather. I feel like that's a really good idea because too often, um, studio owners are not recording the data. So how can you improve unless you know what's happened in the past or why things are happening or, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's so much that I teach around measuring your numbers and being better with your finances and because I know how dreadful I was. Um, but even breaking that down into the most simplest, simplest way, like if you just can't get your head around being really on top of all your numbers and your figures, that's fine. I understand that. But if the very least you do is flip back to the month before and look at the numbers and go, oh no, we've gone down in our income or we've lost some followers or we didn't have very many trial students. Let's work on this a bit harder this month or look at it and go, wow, we've improved on the month before. Like we just need, if nothing else, the bare minimum is to just have that snapshot where we just measure it, we put it down and we can compare it from month to month. Like that's what I call the bare, bare minimum. I'd love for you guys to be doing lots more than that. But, you know, even that, and it's lovely. I go back over my planner from uh two years ago now and there's my figures for the month and my income for the month and I'm like oh how cute look look what I was earning when I first started <laughs> two years ago you know and I was so excited when I you know had my first coaching month where I earned 300 pounds like that was huge you know and it's it allows me to follow my own journey you know and to appreciate how far I've I've come yeah I love that so much so much so that's the ultimate dance business planner everyone so make sure you check that one out um now i wanted to ask you because we're gonna wrap up soon but i love to ask my guests who or what inspires you oh what it well what inspires me is every single dance boss out there that is working super hard ultimately for something that they are passionate about that serves others you know, to me, life is all about the service that we can give to others, the love that we can share with each other. Um, and so to see people that are prepared to put that at the absolute foremost of everything they do, like we don't run a dance business because we want to earn a stack load of money. Let's face it. We don't go into it because we want to be rich. We go into it because we love our students, we love teaching, and our and we love our passion. And the fact that people are prepared to work and, and dedicate their lives to that um, just inspires me every day, you know, and it, it makes me, me feel inspired to, to create my own journey too. Oh, I love that. Now, what's next? What's next for Deborah? 
lots coming up. <laughs> well, this year was a huge year for me um, because, you know, this year I started the podcast. Um, I also created the UK's first ever dance business conference. So um, we now have a conference in the UK where you can go for two days and just study business for the dance sector. Um, and that was huge for me. That was a very big monumental step forward into bravery um, because it was the first one because people didn't really know what this event was they hadn't got any any um, proof or testimonials of what it was like I found that so hard to get that off the ground um, I also created um, 13 dance business awards because I feel like we should be more celebrated for all our efforts in our industry um, and so I created this new event that was huge um, I'm very pleased to report it was a huge success. Next year is already, I've already sold double the amount of tickets and they only went on sale for three, day, three days, six weeks ago. So it's going to be huge next year. So in terms of what's new, I am definitely not doing anything new next year. <laughs> Last year nearly killed me. <laughs> I love that so conference next- idea though and everything that you're doing there. I think it's so important to bring the community together um, and what, I mean, I suppose a lot of people in our industry would actually understand the, the risk involved with running an event or putting on something like that or putting yourself out there. <laughs> so, you know, congratulations to you for that. Cause I, I, I commend you for that. Cause I think we need more of those sorts of industry events, most definitely. And I love yeah. the events as well. That's very special. Yeah. And, you know, we had exhibitors as well. So um, we had exhibitors, we had sponsors, we had um, we had two days for dance studio owners, but then we also had a separate room with an event for teachers so that the teachers, the dance studio owners could bring their teachers. We had a dinner dance like it was it was a really Oh, it was a really big event. Did you um, hear the thing fall in the background? Sorry, I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> uh, but to, you know, to me, it's about trying to provide the things that we don't have. You know, and I do. Um, you know, we do have a bit of FOMO here in the UK because you know we look at other areas of the world, and there are amazing dance bus conferences you can go to, and there are um, you know awards in different countries for different things, and um, mentors and coaches. You know, you go guys have all had these things for several years before we've got them and and I suppose there's just that again that little entrepreneur spirit in me that kind of says we don't have this so let's create it like that spins me out because I would have thought honestly that the UK would have been yeah just a little bit forward from Australia from that but I suppose we get a lot of um, American influence and they're all over it so that absolutely that that does surprise me it was very fascinating when I did my couple of years studying business. And I said to you before, it was mostly with Americans and Australian sea owners. Um, it really fascinated me because, you know, we have a fabulous West End. We're really well known for our theatre. Um, we have excellent training, amazing colleges. But we, the art, you know, the dance industry as an art form is amazing and really good in our country. But in terms of the business side of of yeah. these things 
it was way behind, way, way, way behind. And I, I another podcast, I'll explain all the things that you guys do that we're still <laughs> learning from. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, you'll be, you'll be quite shocked if you heard some of the areas that, you know, we do for free or we don't earn any money from, you know. Um, but we're getting there. That's one of the things I'm, you know, I'm on a mission to help people to yeah, realise. you're advocating for the UK dancepreneurs. I love that. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I've been to the West End to see... Um, Chicago. So there you go. Um, <laughs> that's as much as I know of the West End, but I absolutely loved it. So now oh. if people want to find out more about you, um, where should they go? Yeah. So my business is called Dance Business Lab. So you can um, check that out on, on Google, but in terms of social media, I'm more a Facebook than Instagram girl, just because that's where the majority of my customers hang out. So it's Dance Business Lab Community is our, the name of our Facebook group. That's the free Facebook group. Um, but it's also Dance Business Lab on uh, Instagram as well. And if you're loving the idea of the planner, you can actually purchase that on Amazon. It's available in Australia. I just had someone that bought one yesterday. <laughs> we'll pop a link in the show notes for you as well. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time and for getting up early because I know um, it's 6.30 it's 6 p.m. here in Sydney, but 8.30 a.m. there for you, uh, which isn't too bad, but still early. <laughs> so I appreciate It's not that. too bad at all. Thank <laughs> no, you. thank you so much for having me. It's been real fun. Thanks, Joe. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, be sure to click subscribe. If you're really feeling the love, share us with your friends. To work with me or to simply find out more about the magic of creativity, arts and business, head to my website, josephinelancuba.com and you can find me on socials. I also have a book that I've co-written with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurial women called The Women Changing the World. And you can grab a copy of that at josephinelancuba.com forward slash books. Thanks for listening.